0: Well, good morning, Southfield. It's glad. To, it's good to have you here today. Would you please stand? This morning, we're going to begin a new series called Forgotten Virtues, and there's uh, there's truth in it for all of us. I know it's geared towards our graduates, but uh, it's 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 applicable for our lives too. But before we begin the new series and the message, we're going to dive in by um, starting with song. So we're going to sing praises to our King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm-hmm.
1: Gives up never runs out on me. Never runs
0: out on me Heavenly Father, we thank you for your perfect love That love, God, that sometimes allows us to um, go through things, Lord To develop us Lord, that love that allows us to be disciplined Um, God, we just thank you Your love is perfect, and you are perfect. And Lord, as we prepare to sing this next song, God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would search us and tell us what is true, Lord. Reveal your truth, God. Speak louder than the lies that we listen to, Father, from the world, from our own flesh we hear your truth above everything else. yeah you- mm-hmm. are so loving with such perfect love. And God, we just thank you for the truth that we have. Lord, when there are times when we need to listen to your truth, God, um, we pray, God, that your truth would speak louder and more clearly than anything that's thrown at us. God, there are times where we need to remember who we are in you. But God, may we always remember who you are. Father, we give you glory today and we worship you. And we thank you for who you are and for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
2: Well, good morning and welcome to Southfield. Uh, My name is Brian. And on your way in, you should have received a folder. On the inside of that folder, you should have received a card. Um, On that card, we ask that you fill out your name and all the information that you're comfortable filling out. Um, so that we can get, get a hold of you, know that you're here, know your prayer requests on the back and all that kind of stuff. And I know that this is a weekly thing. So I actually, we're going to be doing some stuff in, during announcements with this, so I need everybody to pull this out right now. Write your name on it, um, and we're going to get rolling here. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been asking for questions about Southfield, whether you're new or whether you just had a burning question that you wanted to know about who we are as a church, um, what we do, what we believe, anything like that. Um, And we've been doing that in the form of uh, building 20 questions. So today from 4 to 6 in the Southfield Big Kids room, uh, which is the room at the end of the hall with the awesome brick wall painted, uh, we're going to be having a class there going over the 20 most popular questions that came up on those cards. So if you're new here and you'd like to know a little bit more about us, come check that class out. Maybe you're not new. Maybe you just, again, want to know a little bit more. Uh, feel free to come check that out. Again, it's from 4 to 6 today. Um, so again, and there will be time at the end, you know, it's, we're not sticking to just 20 questions. So if you have more questions that don't get answered there, uh, we will have time at the back end to go over that. Um, we also are starting our spring journey groups this week. So the net, for the next six weeks, we're going to be closing out the last section of Francis Chan's Multiply and uh, So if you have one of the orange books for your journey group, it's on page 251. You need to come this week having read your section. So for you guys on Sunday, I hope you've already read. If not, it's going to be crunch time this afternoon. All right, no napping. But um, so we're going to be, again, getting rolling with that this week. Uh, And if you still need a book or you want to get signed up with the group, you can come talk to us uh, after the service. On the front of your bulletin, you can also see that we have a uh, a ladies' breakfast this Saturday. So, again, if you are a lady and you like breakfast, then uh, you can come check that out this Saturday. Um, We're going to move on to today's question. Uh, Today's question, we are, again, pull that card out because on the back we have um, that question set for you. Normally, during the question, we get you prepped for the service, uh, get you to interact with each other, and... um, really loosen you up, but today we're going to be turning in. You're going to be talking to your family, your spouse, whoever you whoever you came with, and we're going to ask you three questions. The first on the back of the card, um, the best time for us. So in that box, you can write the the time that you like best, all right? So if it's Thursday night, at, you know, 11.58, you can feel free to write that down. Probably won't have a service then, but, you know, maybe that's your favorite time. We want to know. So put that down. Again, best time for us. Uh, In the middle, you'll see we like either earlier or later. That's just to get a handle on whether you like earlier services or later services. And clearly, since you're in the 11 o'clock, you're going to circle later because, again, we like to sleep, right? Um, So, and then the the final section over on the the side, we have a couple of, or we have five um, different tandems of of times. So, go ahead and check one of those, or you can maybe mark your top three just to let us know where we're going. Because, again, these are all for summer service times. So, it worked really well on Christmas Eve. We were able to... Uh, build our service times around your suggestions. So again, we're asking you to do that now. So you'll have one minute. Again, turn into your family, talk to whoever you came with, and decide when you like to come to church. Clock starts now.
3: So Easter is in the books. Done, huh? Enjoyed your candy? Ate it all up? Sure you did. We have five Sundays between today and Mother's Day. Mother's Day will honor these great women in our lives, and we'll also use that day as a day to honor our high school graduates. So we'll both do both on that day. Here's the plan. We have five Sundays. So we're gonna talk about five things that everyone needs to know, but in particular high schoolers. We're gonna treat this as if this is the last five times they're ever gonna come to church, okay? These are essential things we need to know. Now, of course, they're gonna keep coming, but wanna get that out there. Uh, In a few weeks, these kids are going to be graduating. Once they graduate, they will be considered adults. I know that horrifies you if you have one of those kids right now. Some of you, uh, you're going to go on for more school. Some of you are going to head straight into a job. In no time at all, you'll be getting married, having babies, and running the world. That's pretty intense, huh? Uh, You'll be leading churches. Some of these kids are going to go on to other places and and minister there, and some are going to stay here, future leaders of Southfield Church. So as you move into this role, we really want you to be well prepared. And there are a handful of virtues that that God deeply admires. He loves these virtues. And sadly, our um, our culture has neglected some of them and even rejected some of them. So we're going to cover them, uncover them, explore them, And hopefully we're all going to put them into practice at a level that we've not put them into practice before. But I do want to remind you, we didn't do it last week for Easter, but we have this time that you're able to go ahead and... At the end of the service, we answer some of the questions you might have, and you can do that by tweeting. You can go ahead and write a little Twitter and hashtag SDMP, and we see those. We're also opening it up to texting because some of you don't tweet. We get that. You're not tweeters. That's all right. So you can do that. Now, this is the church number, so uh, it doesn't come up with an identity for me, so I'm not sure who you are. Um, so if you wouldn't mind just saying, hey, this is so-and-so, and then go ahead and put your text message. And then the other night, what, Tuesday night, I went, Lund- went out to dinner with the um, 50 and over uh, small group, journey group, and they uh, were concerned that they don't tweet and they don't text. So we're letting them do paper airplanes. So if you see a paper airplane flying through the air, 50 plus, they're doing that only if you're 50 plus. That's a, that's a privilege you get when you get really old, all right? So, <laughs> hey, I'm there. What you, don't stop it. I'm, I'm in the club, man. I'm dinging me. Look at me. I'm limping around looking pitiful. All right, so... Having said that, today we're going to talk about honor. Uh, Honor is just a huge virtue that is neglected and ignored in our society. What exactly is honor? I mean, if I were to ask you today to define honor, I suspect that you'd probably get a little bit of a furrowed brow, it, you, you'd probably crinkle your face a little bit. You could come up with some words like respect and whatever, but overall, it's it's kind of a it's a nebulous topic. What exactly does it mean to honor somebody? We think we know it is, what it is, but we're often we often find it difficult to articulate it when we're pressed. Now, if we're lucky enough to talk to somebody about this, they probably head to areas that have something to do with either living up to personal ideals or or being a person of integrity. That's what it means to be honorable. Most people do equate honor with a sense of integrity. But that definition of honor, while it's part of our modern context, really does not capture the deep meaning of the word. And I got to be honest with you, even as I studied this, once I got past the surface, surface definitions, it was not easy to come up with a, a nice, easy handle, a term that we could say, this is what honor is all about. Surprisingly, little has been written on the subject. You don't find many books on honor. And anthropologists, sociologists, historians who have tackled this topic, when you get done reading their stuff, here's what you do, you kind of go, I'm not sure that they even understand what honor is. They have a tough time putting their arms around it. It's extremely difficult, I think, to recapture and describe something that was once so intrinsic to people's lives. It was just built into culture. We were people who lived honorable lives, attempted to, and who honored other people. We knew what it was. We just didn't really know what to call it. So what I'd like to do is start with some key biblical terms that are used in the Bible as the word for honor that gets translated into English, most of the words in the Old, Trans- Old Testament translated honor are based on some form of the Hebrew word kabod. That, that's, if you were reading Hebrew and you came across kabod, that would be translated honor. In the New Testament, the Greek word for honor is a form of the root word timao or time. If your name is Tim or Timothy, your name means honor. And interestingly, when you look at this particular word, it doesn't only refer to honor, but it can also be used as a word for money. Or in other words, what does it mean? It's a way of ascribing worth to something, giving something greater value than it has. In the New Testament, this Greek word uh, is really important. It's used time and time again. These terms are generally used with reference to giving a person high esteem or even giving God high esteem. We honor our God. The root word of that word kabod literally means heavy or weighty. So in the figurative sense, what it means is to give someone weight, to give them respect, to give them authority in our lives. We're treating them with a higher degree of honor. A person grants honor most frequently on the basis of position, status, wealth, but it should be based on character. While honor is an intrinsic attitude, and it's something we should carry around within us, the attitude is not enough. It needs to show forth in action. I can't say that I honor God, but I disobey God. I can't say that I honor my parents, but I disobey my parents. So it's not just a matter of saying that I honor someone. It comes across in both attitude and and action. The granting of honors to others is an essential experience of a growing Christ follower. If you want to grow, you both need to be a person who is growing as an honorable person, as well as a person who is extending honor to others. While the reception of honor is a positive experience, it's great to be honored. The Bible tells us we're not supposed to seek it. Jesus is very clear about this in Luke chapter 14. When honor comes from others by reason of position or status. It should not be taken for granted. The recipients should seek to merit honor through godly character. That's what matters. And honor can be lost. It can be lost through disobedience. It can be lost through disrepute. So as we talk about honor, we need to really look at it in two different ways because it covers two different aspects. One is extending honor to other people. We honor a person when we demonstrate deep respect for their great value through our attitudes and actions. So there are times that there's a person that that we choose through the things we say, through our attitude, through our action to say, this person matters to me. This person has great value and I want them to know that they have great value to me. God calls us to treat certain people in the Bible with honor, to show them great respect. And in doing so, we demonstrate that they have great worth, and we recognize that worth. Now, beyond extending honor, we're also supposed to be examples of honor. We're called to be honorable. We're called to live honorably. So for every one of us, an honorable person cultivates a reputation worthy of respect, admiration, and emulation. None of us should say, don't look at me. I'm just doing my own thing. As Christ followers, we should all be people that someone can look at and say, so that's what it looks like to live an honorable life. That's what it looks like to be a person worthy of honor. Honor really has these two dimensions. One is to be an example of honor and the other is to extend honor. And we're to be doing both. There's a man who's written a book. His name is Frank Henderson Stewart. And the book is simply entitled Honor. He talks about two types of honor. He talks about horizontal honor as well as vertical honor. Let's look at horizontal first. Horizontal honor is defined by him as the right to respect among an exclusive society of equals. Horizontal honor is basically mutual respect. People look at each other within a group and they realize they recognize that the other person is deserving of respect. Now, don't mistake this for kind of a, a modern-day mutual of respect where you respect me simply because I exist. It's not that. This kind of respect is, is far more than that. It, it means that there are certain things that we're supposed to be doing, living up to. There are these unyielding standards, and we're willing to live up to that. And because of that, we are worthy of honor, according to Stuart. The existence of horizontal honor is based on three elements. The first is the existence of an honor code. Uh, We all need to agree. These are the things we're going to do. And if we do them, that person can be considered honorable. So you need an honor code to begin with. He goes on to say that um, that code should lay out some pretty high standards. And even though they're high standards, these are the minimum standards recognized. For being seen as a person of honor. Now, the second element is not just an honor code, but an honor group. You need a group of people who understand that they have committed to living out the honor code. Everyone in that group understands that every member is saying, I'm striving toward that. I'm living up to that. The third aspect of this, the third element, is that this honor group needs to be tight-knit, and they need to be intimate. A society governed by mutual respect requires everyone in the society to know each other and to interact face to face. Honor cannot exist in a society where anonymity anonymity dominates. Unfortunately, that is part of the challenge of our times, isn't it? Anonymity dominates, and so because of that, it is easy to live a dishonorable life, and nobody knows it. We need to know each other. We need to be connected. Now, please understand this. Failing to live up to the honor code, according to Stewart, leads to shame. If you don't live up to the honor code, shame is extended to you. A person who fails to live up to the group's code loses their honor. A healthy feeling of shame or recognition that a person has failed to live up to the honor code is necessary for honor to exist. When individuals stop caring that they've lost the right to the respect of the group, Honor loses its power to compel and check individual behavior. Now, here's what I find interesting about Stuart's work and his understanding of honor and these three elements. They all exist within the context of the church. Every one of these things exists within the context of the church. Take the the honor code, for example. We have an honor code. We don't have to make it up. We don't have to make up our own list. It's right here. The Bible says, live this. This is what it means to be an honorable Christ follower. And so we all look to this book and look to the commands and standards in this book. And we, as part of that group, say, this is what we're going to choose to live up to. God gave us an honor code to live out. Second, we have an honor group. We have the church, people called by God to live out the honor code. So we have both of those elements. Third, at our ideal we are a tight we are tight knit and we are intimate. We say this a lot around here. Life change happens best in the context of relationship. Truly, far more conveniently than having you fill out this morning the best time for your summer service. We could say this summer everything will be online. Just go ahead, stay in your bed. Keep your jammies on, pull out your laptop, put it on your lap. Daniel will sing to you. We'll even zero in really close right there. I'll, I'll deliver the best sermon I ever have because we can edit, re-edit, and just get every word perfect. We can get it all right, right? There's one thing missing. People, people. Church is not just about a content dump. It's not just about coming and singing some songs. It's about people who know people. People who have an intimate relationship with each other. And so we can hold each other accountable to live out this honor code. Now for the, the shame part, I need to reword this a little bit. It's not so much about shame as accountability. In our, if our relationships are genuine and authentic, we should be calling each other to live out the code. We should be challenging each other to live out the code. And when we don't live up to the code, we should, in a very appropriate manner, be calling each other out on not living up to the code. This is not cruel. This is not judgmental. In fact, it's very loving. It's very Christ-like to say, here's the code that we've all chosen to live by. It's an act of love. As Christ followers in the Church of Jesus Christ, we are called to live a life of honor. And we are called to extend honor to others. Interestingly, our honor is not just based on the ideal that we be honorable. Our highest goal is not, I want to be honorable, and that's why I will live a life of honor. No, it's more than that. Our motivation is deeper than that. We live honorable lives because we are representatives of God. We live honorable lives because we represent the name of Jesus Christ. We live honorable lives because we are known as the church of Jesus Christ. And so we want to live to a high standard because we want to live to honor God through the way that we live. Beautiful verse in, in, um, in Romans chapter 14 tells us if we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, We belong to the Lord. God wants us to live honorably because in the process, honor is brought back on him. Honor is brought back on Jesus when we live lives of honor. In 3 John, verse six tells us, they have told the church about your love. There were these people that came. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. The way we treat people can actually be God honoring or it can disgrace God. People can look and say, wow, if that's what Christians are like, that's a problem. The way we treat each other reflects on God. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about sexual sin. You know, God doesn't get all over sexual sin because he's like, man, those people, I don't want them having a good time. So here are the rules. No, no, what does this verse actually say? God says, I laid out these standards because this is what it means to honor God. He ends the passage by saying, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. We actually honor God by the way we live out life sexually. 2 Thessalonians 1 says, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of the call. We might reword it, live a life that lives up to the code that lives up to what God calls us to do. May he give you the power to accomplish all good things your faith prompts you to do. Then the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be honored. You see the way it works? When we're living up to the code, Jesus is honored through that because of the way you live and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Horizontal honor is about living honorably. An honorable person cultivates a reputation worthy of respect, admiration, and emulation. It should be our goal for people to be able to look at us and say, that's what a Christ follower looks like when they're living up to this, and that is honorable. Now, let's look at the vertical vertical honor instead. Again, uh, I'm referring to Stuart here says, while horizontal honor is about mutual respect. Vertical honor is not. Instead, vertical honor is about giving praise and esteem to those who are superior, whether by virtue of their abilities, their rank, their services to the community, their sex, their kinship, their office, or anything else. So vertical honor goes to the one who not only lives the honor code, but excels at living out the code. So vertical honor is about praise, esteem, and admiration for another person with vertical honor we demonstrate deep respect for a person's great value to us both in our attitude and in our actions again as christ followers we not only are called to live honor horizontally we're also called to extend honor to certain people and to certain entities first and foremost we're supposed to honor god we see this uh, time and time again in the book of Revelation. This passage, Revelation 4:11 says, "You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor." Time and time again in Revelation, John uses those two words together: "Glory and honor. The two go together like twins. To receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have being." What is he saying? We honor God because we recognize with him, without him, we would not exist. We recognize that if we did exist and he ceased to exist, we would cease to exist. Everything depends on him. And because of that, as a basis, he deserves our honor. Now, beyond that, God calls us to honor certain people and certain positions. So just going to walk through a bunch of people in the Bible that God says we're supposed to honor. The first is found in Exodus 20. It's a pretty familiar address. That's where the Ten Commandments are found. And we're told in the Ten Commandments by Moses that we're to honor our father and mother. It says, then you will live a long life, a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And Paul imports that to the New Testament. And in Ephesians 6, he says the same thing. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. This is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. He says the first command with a promise. If you honor them, things will go well with you and you'll live a long, full life on the earth. So the Bible is clear. First, entity we're supposed to be honoring our parents beyond that god calls us to honor our leaders whether they are political leaders or spiritual leaders he says honor these people so for example first peter 2 17 says show proper respect to everyone love the family of believers fear god honor the emperor now we don't not have an emperor so replace the word president here or congressman or whomever people who are in charge of us we're to show them respect romans 13 1 same idea let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authority that exists have been established by God. So what is, what is Paul saying? He's saying you don't get to honor when your party is in and dishonor when your party is out. It says God has established the people who are in leadership and they're to be shown a degree of honor. Beyond that, we're to honor spiritual leaders. First Thessalonians five, twelve to thirteen, Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholeheartedly love and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. So he's working through this. He says, You're to honor your parents, you're honor your political leaders, you're honor your spiritual leaders. He takes it even further. He says, You're to honor your spouses. Uh, we're going to hit on the guys right now, but it's given to both. First Peter 3, 7 says, In the same way, husbands must give honor to their wives. Ladies, you may want to put that on the fridge. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may, be the weak, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. you catch that last part? Don't treat your wife with honor. Your prayers are going to hit the ceiling and bounce back in your lap. He says we're to honor. We're to treat our spouses with great honor. What about this one? We're supposed to treat people advanced in years, further along in years than us, with honor. Leviticus 19.32 says, Stand in the presence of the elderly and show respect for the aged. Fear your God. I am the Lord. We're to treat them with value, admiration, respect, and great worth. God even says, we're just supposed to spend time thinking about honorable things, honorable people. We're supposed to just dwell on them. Philippians 4, 8 tells us, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, second, honorable. Honorable. Think about honorable things. Unfortunately, most of our media and most of our lives are not focused on the honorable. They're focused on the dishonorable. They're focused on bad news. And so we find ourselves living there instead of where the Bible tells us to live. Be scanning the horizon for those who are honorable, for things that are honorable along the way. Honor is beautiful. It's really, really beautiful. Sadly, it's also a lost virtue. It is. It's lost in our times. Why? Why is it a lost virtue? What happened along the way? I could give you a bunch of reasons. I really could. But I want to zero in on one because some of you are already there. You know, I've been talking about extending respect and admiration to parents and politicians, spiritual leaders, spouses, seniors, and you've been thinking, but what if they're not worthy of respect? What if it's not a respectable person? What if it's a parent who's neglected or abused a child? What if it's a politician who's just always about him or herself? Or, that, or just at flatly rejects any form of godliness, pushes it away, and instead pushes ungodliness on our society? Uh, we have a special challenge in Illinois, you know? Our governors like to spend time in the governor's mansion followed by time in the Penn State, State Penn. What do, you, what do you do with that, right? How are we supposed to honor them when that's the path, the career path that they choose? How do you honor a spiritual leader who is acting in a way that is far from spiritual, a person who's been immoral? How do you show admiration for a spouse who is selfish and neglectful? How do you honor, honor a senior who is mean and grumpy and bitter and hateful? What do you do with that? Does God really expect us to honor someone who is not honorable, to respect someone, not worthy of respect. We tend to ask that fundamental question, right? What do I do when a person I'm supposed to honor does not act honorably? Am I still commanded to honor them? I've really thought about this a lot. I have. I'm still thinking about it. I think it's something God's going to work on me for a long time as I just try to boil down what does this mean? You see, I believe honor is a spiritual discipline. It's something that God wants us to practice because he wants to grow something beautiful in us. He wants to form Christ in us. As Christ followers, I think we need to change the question a little bit. Rather than asking whether or not the other person is deserving of honor, we might ask this instead. What could or what would God grow in me if I chose to honor this person? What would change in me if I chose to honor this person? The fact is, every human being will let us down. Every last one. No parent, politician, pastor, spiritual leader, spouse, or senior has lived a life of perfection. Not one. And you can look at something in their life and say, See, they've lost the right to be honored. Does imperfection negate God's command to honor? We might be able to show honor even in the smallest fashion. Somebody once challenged me. They said, you know, when it comes to parents and honoring them, at the very least, you could honor them for the fact that they gave you life. Without them, you wouldn't be. Is that not one simple way that we could show a parent who many times has not proven worthy of honor to say, that was an honorable thing. You gave me life. For the fallen spiritual leader, we might recall an earlier time where their influence on us actually helped us to grow. We might give the benefit of the doubt to a bitter senior, realizing that life is hard and the cumulative effect of disappointments does weigh some people down. It burdens their souls. When we honor someone, though we do not think they deserve it, God can grow something in us. God can grow humility in us. He calls us to be humble. In fact, he says, don't seek honor, seek to be humble. And we can be humbled when we show honor to someone else. Philippians 2 tells us we're not to try to impress others. We're to be humble. Thinking of others is better than ourselves. Romans 12, 3 tells us that we're not to think of ourselves as better than we really are. Sometimes we think others don't deserve honor because we're using us as the standard of what honorable is. Honoring another person, yes, even a broken person, can grow something in us that is beautiful and pure and, yes, honorable. I want to end with a verse from the book of James. James 3.13 says, if you are wise and understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Don't you love it? He uses the two hand in hand. He says, when you honor, humility will not be far behind. It is in the process of honoring other people, even broken people, that God can grow a great heart of humility in us. And that is what he desires. So we're to extend honor to others, demonstrate deep respect for their great value in both attitude and action, And we're to be an honorable example for others, cultivating a reputation worthy of respect, admiration, and emulation. This is the code. Be honorable. That is what God has called us to. So let's live up to his holy standard. Pray with me. Father God in heaven, I pray that you will help us to rediscover this lost virtue as a community, to value it, to treasure it, to show honor, even in times that we might look at somebody and say, I don't know. We would recognize that that demonstration of honor is not so much about the other person's worthiness, but about what you want to do in us. I pray that you would grow in us humble hearts, hearts that are willing to esteem someone else as better than ourselves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We take communion every week, and what we try to do with communion is take a different focus from time to time. And so this morning, I want to just shift your eyes a little bit. Uh, One of the privileges that we have as a community of believers is to lift each other up in prayer. And so it is possible while the bread and the cup are coming to you and you're thinking about the sacrifice of Jesus, you would take the time to remember that Jesus stands before God interceding on our behalf. He speaks to the Father, and the Father answers our prayers. And we have people who need prayer in our community today. Uh, Jill Little came in today and said this morning her mother died. So be praying for Jill and her family as she works through that. Um, I got a text this past week from Lorraine Seaman that John, is in an, John Seaman is in an incredibly dangerous place in Iraq. He's an Army Ranger. So I want to be praying for his safety and obviously praying for the sanity of a mom and dad. who are wondering what's going on with their kid. Um, this morning, Roger Swank was here came to the first service. So uh, finally back after the heart surgery and everything else. So that's one that you could thank God for. Uh, you could pray for Ray Caps. His dad has gone through a bad week uh, physically. And then, of course, there are all the people who went through the devastation of the tornado this past week. You may not know them personally, but my goodness, while you're enjoying the, the pleasure and privilege of sitting in church, someone else is digging through their two-by-fours trying to figure out which end is up. So um, any one of these, just take them, focus on it, and, and lift it up to God in prayer as we take communion. We are grateful, Jesus, for your love and for your sacrifice for our sins. I pray today that um, even as we just walk through the rest of today, we would reflect on our actions, our words, and as we do, we'd ask the simple question, is what I just said, what I just did, Does it honor Jesus? Is it worthy of the name of a person who died? Keep our focus on you today, Jesus. Amen. So our servers are going to come and receive the offering. I do want to remind you, if you are doing 20 questions, on the back side of that card, there's a little box. And if you would just check off that you're planning on coming um it, it's good for the sake of knowing you'll be there and we can be prepared for that and then the same with groups you know you can go online and sign up but even if you just you know you know the group leader you want to catch them today and say hey i plan to being at your group that's helpful to us so servers are going to come now and we have a bunch of questions and a couple of them are are kind of related so um let me let me see how can we handle this you could you could put up either dan or jeff dan eberhardt or jeff kyle Dan asked, have you ever witnessed a time where someone showed honor to someone who did not deserve it? Uh, what's the takeaway from that experience? And Jeff Kyle asked, actions of our political leaders often go against God's word. When do our disagreements over these actions actually um, actually dishonor them? So I think these two kind of mesh together. And the example that came to my mind was actually a biblical example, and that's you know, Peter standing before religious leaders who clearly were in opposition to Christ, in opposition to everything Christ wanted. And um, there's a recognition as, as Peter and John spoke before these religious leaders, I believe it was in Acts chapter four, that these leaders came back and said, it's obvious these men have been with Jesus. They, they recognized that, that there was something about them that was truly different from who they would have been otherwise. In that same passage, they say, we have to obey God, not man. And the fact is, there will be times that our beliefs, our biblical beliefs, are going to come in conflict with the world's values, and ultimately, God is the ultimate one we honor, right? He's the one we ultimately honor. And so there may be times that we have to say, I can't obey that law. Uh, That doesn't apply to going 70, okay? Get that out of your mind. But there are moral laws sometimes that we say, I can't obey that. That would go against God's standard, but I don't have to do it in a way that calls the guy a jerk and an idiot and a this and a that. And I think as Christians, and I'm putting myself in the mess, we've become way too loose about the way we refer to people who are in charge of us. We, we, we show them dishonor. We scream a little bit too much at the TV. And if other people would hear it, they'd, they'd kind of go, what in the world, dude? Stop it. Just chill, you know? Um... There needs to be that mix. Where we cross the honor line is when we want to impugn motive, impugn character, scream names, all those sorts of things. We should be able to conduct ourselves in a way that we say, I disagree. I still respect you, but I completely disagree. And I I respect God more. And I have to obey God and not human beings. And I think what happened then to, to to Dan's question is, even through the way they disagreed, they were a beautiful example. Of what it means to be Christ-like. And those religious leaders. Who deserved nothing but death. <laughs> they were horrible. <laughs> you know, Those religious leaders actually recognized. That Jesus had a powerful presence in their life. Kelsey uh, asked the question. Is it possible for someone to be perfectly honorable? Uh, no. 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 Because we're all imperfect. Because we will all. Every person has done something. That if we were able to play their life up here. We'd all go. Oh my word yikes what were they thinking you know are you kidding me really all of us have done something in our life that is dishonorable every last one of us and so that's where if we get in that game of saying i will only honor perfect people you can just put that in the bag you'll never have to honor anybody because you know come on really none of us ever 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 will be perfectly honorable having said that there are people that absolutely deserve our respect by position as well as by how they act, the godly life that they live in front of us. And in fact, sometimes their brokenness gives us the opportunity to say, hey, they're still growing. There's still something happening there. They're still changing. So we're not looking for perfection. Maura um, had one in the first service that I wanted to read in them and then we'll head on our way. Um, she says, how do we honor without idolizing? That's a great question. Because sometimes honor goes a little too far, especially in our society. Honor becomes idol worship. And, and the thing I would say is God commands us to honor. God would never command us to do something that's not possible to do. He's, you know, he doesn't trap us. I want you to honor him. Oh, now you're idolizing. See, he caught you sin, lightning. He doesn't do that. That's not what he's about. He's not trapping you, you know? But we have got to always be testing our motives and asking, have I gone too far with this? You know, my, my mother-in-law went through this as a kid. Her her mother was the kind of person that said, I will never praise you. You'll get a big head. Really? That's the way to keep somebody from becoming proud? Never praise them? That's crazy. If something is praiseworthy, think on these things, commend it, and let them worry about whether or not they get a big head. But so we've got to be watching, checking our motives, asking, have I moved beyond honor to saying this person is so perfect that I will just believe everything they ever say. Well, now now we're probably moving into a territory that's a little bit bad. We might need a spiritual friend in our life that we're able to go to and say, where am I with this? Can you you help me? Can you help me to understand a little bit better where I am? There are two passages I'd like you to take with you today. Sorry, I left them on my chair and then you can go. I'll leave those there too. (laughs) Nobody threw a paper airplane at me in this one. I got like several in the first, almost got hit in the eye. Anyway, um, Romans 13, one to seven. Write that one down. Romans 13, one to seven. It talks about even simple things. What a great week to read this one. Pay your taxes. It's in the Bible, guys. Sorry. (laughs) Romans 13, one to seven. The other one, 1 Peter 2, 11 to 25. Both these passages talk about giving reverence, giving, not reverence, giving honor and respect to people who are in charge of our lives. And I want you to catch this part, verse 18 of the 2 Peter passage, 1 Peter passage. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And you know what he says toward the end of the passage? When you do that, you're being like Jesus. And we read that and go, that's un-American. Yeah, sometimes being American isn't being a Christian. I, I, ooh, did he just say that? Yeah, because this is our honor code right here. This is our honor code. This is what we choose to live up to. And so we've got to look at what the Bible says and say, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what God says, not what my culture says, even if the thing we view our culture to be doing is good." So. Allow these to just kind of batter your heart this week. I think, I think if you will, God's going to take you to some crazy places. You're going to have a lot of fun. All right? Would you stand up? I'm going to pray one more time. We'll head on our way. Now, God in heaven, as we do go on our way, I pray that you will open our eyes to things that are honorable and people that are honorable, and that we would not reserve that honor, but we would let it flow freely. I pray that we would work in our own, on our own lives on being people who are worthy of honor not because we want people to honor us, but because we want to be able to point our finger at our Heavenly Father. We want to point toward Jesus Christ, our Savior, and say, that's why I do this. I love him, and he loves me, and he can love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy your day.